Hey Nora. Hey Sandy. What's going on? Um, what's going on? Okay, well, I'll tell you what's going on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's going on, Sandy? I mean, I'm out here in California and experienced the weirdest week ever with all of these fires. Uh, it has been pretty, pretty weird because my school is right on the border of the evacuation zone. So I was like driving into a thick black cloud of smoke it looked like on Monday and it was raining ash and it's super dry and my campus is giving out um, protective masks and it all feels pretty apocalyptic. Wow. Yeah but it rained yesterday and that is unheard of out here and so that's a good thing. Um, Thank you for all the people who uh, checked in on me and was like, are you okay in these fires? Yes, I'm okay. It was it was uh, pretty weird, though, for a while there. Well, and I, I saw that uh, your campus, uh, you know, canceled cl- classes, which was really nice for folks that couldn't necessarily, get, like, you know, get in because of the fires and let, like, all the workers go home and... <laughs> We're, uh... <laughs> no, so that was the most bizarre thing. It, like, you know, I tweeted that it was like akin to a U of T snow day because it's always like thought it was so bizarre that U of T would wait to the very last minute to announce a snow day after everyone who is a commuter had already like risked whatever they were going to risk to try uh, to get to campus in really treacherous conditions. And maybe we're either halfway there or already on the campus and then U of T would say, uh, School's closed. <laughs> it's just like you knew that this was going to happen hours ago. And so very similar thing was happening here where, you know, first they shut down the daycares on campus. And then it was like, OK, so these particular centers will no longer be open, but classes are still on. And then in the middle of my first class, they were like, OK, no, this isn't working. Everybody's got to go home. The air quality is too bad. Uh, but when we say everybody, what we mean by that is students, employees, you are still expected to report to work. And oh I, I just thought, wow, I really need to um, uh, do some research on how powerful the unions are on campus because that smells like a load of bullshit. <laughs> Yes. Well, we did not have um, fire storms uh, in my neck of the woods, but I'm not sure if you heard. I don't know if this made international news, but parts of Quebec, including the city of Montreal, canceled Halloween. (laughs) Oh, because of the rains, right? Yeah. Rain and winds. How does does Quebec just cancel Halloween? Was there like an ordinance or how does... Yeah, yeah. There were municipalities made an ordinance, and um, wait, are you serious? Yeah, I am serious. And so what they did was they pushed, they encouraged people to not trick or treat on on Halloween, and instead to go out on on November first, which was not the best idea because um, in a lot of parts of the province, uh, it was actually worse, worse on November first, because that was the day of the big wind storms, and so trees had been fallen. Uh, trees had fallen down and branches were all over the place. And, you know, in Quebec City, where Quebec City didn't have it canceled, but Levy right across the river did, uh, the temperature plummet, <laughs> plummeted and the snow was falling horizontally. So, um, you know, if you're an elected official and you're listening to this and you're ever tempted to make a decision based on the weather report, don't. Don't do it. Stick with tradition. <laughs> Well, you know, um, I'm sure we'll have more of these very Canadian type stories about the weather and our experiences with the weather as the climate crisis worsens. But that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) No, although we are talking about something that is also surely to get worse uh, as the Canadian discourse is so bad uh, already. Um, And Mm. 
Seems like it's just walking right off a cliff on this discourse. <laughs> yes, nice pivot. Thank but you. Do you have anybody to shout out today first? Um, I'm going to quickly say thank you so much to everyone who donated in the last month. We had um, we had 17 new patrons in October join us, so thank you so, so, so much. Hey, thank yes. you. And so uh, Sarah, Adriano, Elsa, I want to shout you folks out and to everybody that uh, even, you know, even if you're changing your pledge and we can see it go down, that's okay. Um, there's uh, one person here whose name I'm not going to say in case he's embarrassed, but um, we appreciate everything that you give us. So thank you so, so much. And and we also appreciate that there's a lot of great content that you're trying to support out there. So um, it's cool if you got to go from $10 to $5. We're okay with that. Okay. So, Nora, there is a little thing that happened. A little thing. A thing that happened um, at the Toronto Public Library last week did you did you hear about it yeah there was um some knowledge uh that was uh circulated like we would expect at a library um although the 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 real knowledge was outside of the library and and then inside the library there was like a whole bunch of like hate fest festing going on yeah so what we are talking about is the really fucked up event that some fucked up organization called Radical Feminists United or something like that, a turf organization, which means if you haven't heard that that before, a trans exclusionary. I hate that it's radical feminist at the end of that, but anyway, yeah. a, a trans exclusionary shitbag organization uh, organized. A speaking event at uh, the Toronto Public Library with Megan Murphy, yeah, as the keynote speaker. <laughs> what a what a terrible event that would be in general. I mean, who wants to actually listen to Megan Murphy speak? Like, no one, no does, no. And she is she is like a turf number one. You know, like I don't. I mean, who wants to be that <laughs> at all? Um, and and so uh, the Toronto Public Library put this event on. And what Nora is referring to is the massive protest um, that happened uh, outside of that event last week. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that because that event should not have happened no. at all. No. And um, and also the way that the debate has, has uh, spun out in the mainstream is a really good example of how transphobia continues to permeate all aspects of society, which is not a surprise to to many people. Um, it's certainly not a surprise to trans people who experience transphobia still way, 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 way too much on a daily basis. But the, the the way that the discussion has been framed, because it's an easy way for people who are transphobic or who uh, are challenged by uh, narratives that question that question the gender binary, it has been turned into a question of free speech. And uh, today we want to deconstruct why this is actually not at all a discussion about free speech. And instead, it is more a discussion about the right of a group to have access to public space against a policy that that public space actually has and um, and, and propagate hate and propagate uh, the, the, the legitimate the legitimacy of, of questioning someone's someone's personal identity, which is um, tantamount to um, outward racism, outward 
homophobia, outward sexism, uh, really, and uh, and why, for some reason, transphobia remains the accepted, uh, publicly accepted version of hate that a lot of people are rushing to defend. And, of course, some of what is also wrapped into this discussion, uh, you know, this afternoon, we're recording on Sunday, there's an episode of uh, the classic Canadian radio show, Cross Country Checkup, that is asking average Canadians if cancel culture has gone too far. I, I mean, I feel like they should be asking average Canadians if they if they even know what the fuck cancel culture is. But, you know, <laughs> that's uh, maybe they're just assuming that everyone who's on Twitter listens to Cross Country Checkup. And I think that those are two Venn diagrams that mostly don't connect. But um, <laughs> anyway, that might be a different conversation. I don't think it's actually that. Well, are you talking about the Venn diagram? I don't know. Whatever. I don't think it's like the call out culture <laughs> conversation is not a different conversation. I think it's very tied in. It's also tied into what we discussed last week. It's tied into the the weird connection that uh, <laughs> random connection that Canada Land's last episode had with our last episode uh, where we're talking about how we discuss things um, that are uh, central uh, to the left and how we discuss them in public. And this idea of cancel culture at going too far is a way to, is employed often as a way to uh, stop really critical discourse that might make people feel uncomfortable. And uh, in relation to this particular event, saying, you know, Megan Murphy, it like, you She's a shitbag. Like, it's not hard to read the read or listen to many of the things that have been written about how she endangers the lives of trans people through her rhetoric and um, understand that she's not someone who um, is advocating for any type of radical feminism um, that would be a part of a feminist world that many of us would want to be a part of and so to respond to someone saying she should not be like she is harming people she is harming women and to respond to that by being like oh now uh you know this is cancel culture people are canceling her and she's done all this work for women and blah 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 is a way to shut down a debate that makes particular people feel um uncomfortable instead of really engaging with why People are saying this woman is dangerous. Yeah, and maybe we should start from there because unfortunately a lot of things got uh, distorted into this this discussion and maybe you don't know what Megan Murphy's all about and why uh, why her event elicited such a strong reaction from people who were really pissed off that the Toronto Public Library hosted this event. So... Murphy is, um, she's a, I would say she's a grifter supreme. Uh, she's, she's created kind of this like weird celebrity following uh, around her as being one of the few uh, people in Canada who can stand up and say, at the same time, I'm a feminist and also I deny the right of trans people to identify as women. And that has created a world where she has found favor among uh, people in power. You know, she'll she's she's written for The Globe. She often um, gets defended by right wing columnists and has been able to get into spaces where, like, from a feminist perspective, you're like, well, that's not super fucking feminist to share the stage with John fucking K, for example, or, or Lindsay Shepard, right? There was an event with the three of them that was just canceled at Simon Fraser University. <laughs> it's like Lindsay fucking replacement theory, Jordan Peterson loving fucking Shepard, and John Kay, who's like just kind of this vile man baby. Who... Professional troll. 
a professional troll um, and, and her. And so what exactly does she say that is so uh, offensive? She has normalized a discourse around whether or not it is an okay public debate to have that trans people have a specific location in society that is different than women or men. And she couches it in languages in language that makes it seem logical, like, oh, this is about women's safety. Women just need to be safe. And at the same time, fully denies um, the humanity of trans women in particular, who also need and deserve to be um, loved and welcomed and held up as as women. Right. Like that's that's basically what we're talking about. And so she has been on this on this grifting train for many fucking years. Um, I've had interactions with her before. She's a she is like the original fucking queen of fucking internet darkness because there there's a moment where if you cross Megan Murphy, your feed is gone to shit for fucking five days of people just harassing the fuck out of you, which is what she does. And she targets trans people specifically um, with this kind of online hate that that then has other people do the direct transphobic intervention that she doesn't have to do and then she can say well I'm not transphobic I'm just I'm just pro-woman right as if you could say I'm pro-woman and I'm anti-trans woman and not be transphobic like that is a transphobic thing to say and to do and an anti-woman thing to say and to do <laughs> let's just be very clear 100% 100%. And so she, um, you know, she was banned from Twitter not too, too long ago because she ref- like kept on calling a trans woman a man, which is like the like transphobia right fucking there. Um, and and it's not it doesn't do this like by accident, but is is, is tr- trying to consistently show that you can you can attack trans women by questioning their their identity and questioning their right to be believed and seen and held up in society as as women and so what like (laughs) the idea that like that saying that this person who clearly this person and these people who have invited this person to come and speak in a public space that you know for folks in toronto or any any public library in any place you'll be and if you live in the place, you are contributing to that public library. That is your space. That is the space of all of the trans women who live in Toronto should be able to freely go into that space and feel safe um, and using the services that they've paid for. And for the Toronto Public Library to be hosting such an event of someone who is literally questioning the ability of certain people to exist the way that they are is is pretty reprehensible and to respond to that with you know a questioning of this person Megan Murphy is cancel culture it's using this like cultural idea of cancel culture to try to shut down a conversation that makes people feel uncomfortable and just to focus on cancel culture just for a moment I think that the idea of cancel culture has um, has gotten so much, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, attention or people really- Currency? Currency right now, because I think that people are looking for really easy ways to have conversations. And related to what we talked about last week, part of that is because we're having these conversations uh, oftentimes online, and it's really- 
difficult to wade through something that has a lot of nuance and com- complexity. And so people will say, oh, uh, this person's been canceled or this person shouldn't have been canceled because of cancel culture or whatever it is, um, as though there's an easy formula to deal with some of the more difficult things that are happening uh, in our society. This here, what is happening with this particular discussion, this is this has nothing to do with anybody trying to shut down some sort of debate or conversation or whatever, um, besides the people who are uh, saying that it is cancel culture. This is people saying like, look, you are harming and endangering people by allowing this debate to go on. And I need you to listen to me about that. And someone responding with cancel culture, like that's not, (laughs) that's that's ridiculous. Uh, People should be listening to the, to, to what people who are at the center of being harmed by this are saying uh, and shouldn't allow that type of shutdown of really educational conversation to happen, which is something that happened on the CBC this week. Like that's, that doesn't make any sense. Our public broadcaster. Yeah. Now, before we get uh, too far more into this discussion, we have to acknowledge the incredible activist work to bring attention to this, to organize around people being at the Toronto Public Library the night that the event happened, uh, for for people to be uh, organizing petitions and calling out Vickery Bowles, who is, uh, I mean, sounds like a Harry Potter villain or something, but is actually the chief librarian of Toronto Public Library, who wore the decision. Whether or not she made the decision herself, she certainly seemed like uh, she's a turf, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah, she defended it. She powerfully defended it. She defended it on Metro Morning and she defended it in the press. Um, But the the, the folks that organized uh, so impressively and importantly around this uh, need to have so much credit and people need to thank them and to honor them. And so definitely have to thank Gwen Benaway and Alicia Elliott and folks who added their voices to the campaign, Carrie Ann Lung and Catherine Hernandez. Putting this into the into onto the radar of the mainstream is so important, and you often put yourself out there, um, which is very difficult to do, especially if you're trans and, and and this is literally questioning your your identity, and especially Gwen Benaway, who won the day of the speech, won uh, the Governor General's Award for Poetry. I mean, what a horrible way to have to mark that event by by then also pleading for your own humanity in the face of cops, which we'll have to talk about in a sec, because I think that that is, is kind of the next step in this discussion. So we have the Toronto Public Library. We have a, a public institution that has policy against an event like this. And this is part of the discussion that I think that was was far too erased by mainstream press, that this wasn't a discussion of free speech. If you want to have a discussion about free speech, you likely are going to have that discussion perhaps in the abstract where you might be developing a policy, right? So you've got the Toronto Public Library, who, by the way, gave their space to like a Nazi event not too long ago. And you say, OK, does it make sense for this public institution to have events that anybody can organize and that would include Nazis and and full-blown white supremacists and full-blown misogynists like men's rights organizations. Is that the kind of free speech that we want the Toronto Public Library to have? Or will the Toronto Public Library have a policy that actually says, you know, we're going to allow a huge diversity of events, but those events cannot violate 
a list of protected identities. And that list of protected identities can be, you know, sometimes it's found in the Canadian rights legislation. Sometimes it's found in the Ontario human rights legislation or sometimes like the Toronto Public Library. It's actually written out. And so they they say that the library reserves the right to deny or cancel a booking when it reasonably believes use by any individual or group will be for a purpose that is likely to promote or would have the effect of promoting discrimination, contempt or hatred for any group or person on the basis of sex, gender identity, gender expression. And then, of course, there's a whole bunch of other uh, protected uh, grounds that that kind of go around with this as well. This, I think, is the big question. Why in the fuck did the Toronto Public Library go ahead with an event that that violated their own policy? What makes transphobia something that the the TPL is fine with just being like, yeah, actually, in this case, uh, we're going to ignore our, our policy. And what does that mean for every other person who's who's protected under the grounds that are listed out here like place of origin citizenship color ancestry language creed religion i mean as i say the list there's it's quite a detailed list is this to say to people that the policy means shit does it mean that to does it say to trans people specifically that you know we say we're going to protect your your right to not experience harassment and discrimination except when our when our chief librarian is like ah you know what fuck it like this time we'll just let it happen uh, or is it just that they know that, that that these policies are actually meaningless and when the when it comes down to it and there's an, an event that the public is still willing to accept the kind of hatred that the event spews that the public library is like, you know what, fuck our own policies. We're just going to go ahead with this because you can imagine if the Nazi event, I, I believe that people didn't know about the Nazi event before and then it was like it happened and then people were angry, right? Had they raised it before, would they have gone ahead with it? Maybe, maybe, but I kind of suspect not. So then what makes this different? And it's because this, that we are in a place in society where there are powerful forces that want to make us believe that gender is immutable it is directly tied to biology and it cannot change, despite the fact that there are more and more people who are standing up and saying, I don't follow that category. I don't fit in those categories. And this is who I am. And I demand to be respected. And the reason for why this battlefield is so intense right now is because the right wing knows that if we collectively understand gender to be a social construct, as we know it is, but if we really understand that it's a social construct and that we can say, you know what, fuck this this gender binary that has oppressed so many people, that has murdered so many people and has injured so many people and has segregated our economy in so many horrible ways, we reject this and we want to move forward in a different direction. Well, that poses a massive threat to the status quo. It poses a massive threat to, to capitalism. And it actually blows open people's imagination for what kind of new world or new society we could live in, which the powers that be absolutely do not want us thinking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if we are able to truly um, think past that very salient way um, that our patriarchal societies have come up with of organizing people, well... The possibilities for revolution are quite fruitful. And so, I, yeah, I agree with you that that's part of the reason why, um, you know, people like, you know, Jordan Peterson came up on 
um, on his transphobic, hateful bullshit, uh, in addition to his racism. So where does this leave us moving forward? Like, we've got the Toronto Public Library uh, rejecting their own policy. And we can't say that this isn't something maybe they didn't know about Megan Murphy because there were all these activists who were doing legwork beforehand to make sure that people understood um, that quite clearly this person um, opposes uh, Canadian legislation that protects uh, people on the basis of gender identity. And so it, it's pretty clear like what she's trying to do. She's trying to dismantle protections for trans people. Um, and so they can't claim that they didn't know about it. Uh, and so we, you know, we, we witness um, this coming together of people, lots of petitions. I mean, even John Tory, surprisingly to me, as uh, made a comment, the mayor, John Tory of Toronto, made a comment uh, stating that this wasn't something that should happen. Like, what what do we do when a public institution ignores all of that and continues and moves forward? People organized um, a, uh, a, a a demonstration outside of the event. Um, you know, like I watching the Twitter feed, it seemed like uh, the cops were. Um, you know, doing their best to be uh, the cops <laughs> uh, to uh, to the activists at the time at at the time of the protest. This type of protest needs to happen. I know that something similar happened in Vancouver when Megan Murphy uh, was in Vancouver for at a public library for an event. But what do we do moving forward? Because we cannot allow these types of events to continue. the 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 logic um, that that these people like Megan Murphy, Jordan Peterson, and other TERFs uh, employ uh, really play on the type of uh, patriarchal socialization that we all go through as we are, are growing up. And so at times it'll, it'll sound like it makes sense, but, you know, a, a, a not super deep uh, critical mm. look at some of the things that they're, they're saying and things start to fall apart. So what do we do when we know that this type of thing is bound to continue? I mean, they, they use, you know, protection of women um, as, as one of their justifications, but they also employ all sorts of bullshit that have been used in the past and, and other issues as well, like um, protection of religion, freedom of association, it says on this website. Like that's, you know, these types of, of concepts um, that we uphold and place a lot of value on in society uh, being twisted uh, to uh, really attempt uh, to um, destroy um, and erase a particular identity in our public spaces and just in society in general. Yeah, and the website you're talking about is the Radical Feminists Unite website, which is the group that uh, organized the event. Um, it's it's one of these kinds of things, of these kinds of groups that has to like explicitly tell people that they're not a hate cr- a, a hate group, which is like sign number one that they always are <laughs> within within the first three sentences of their website yeah I, I mean <laughs> you know there there's there's very basic things that people need to do right listen to trans people uh, support trans people amplify their voices amplify their work um, find ways to do that structurally so if you work in an organization make sure that your organization is supporting trans members within your organization or within your workplace or whatever like there's so many basic things that we need to be doing but I think 
on a broader kind of uh, on a pro- broader level thinking about where this movement fits into society because of the word feminist in their name it's very easy to think that they are feminist and because of the long history in Canada and in North America of of feminism denying womanhood to women right denying womanhood to disabled women to racialized women especially black women denying womanhood to indigenous women it's it's normal for a lot of white women to not not pick up on the 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 demonization the uh, inhumanity that is inherent in this in this um, in the way that they talk about this stuff because they're white women and they know how to talk to other white women in code and you don't necessarily go oh wait actually what they're saying is the opposite and they are a hateful group <laughs> Um, and so what we have to see is is not that there's the feminist angle to this and that they want to so-called protect women. They wanted to protect women the way that 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 neo-Nazis wanted to protect women. Right. Neo-Nazis also often talk about protecting their women, white women, the ability of white women to have children and all this kind of fucking bullshit. I've been thinking about this a lot this week, like that the way that um, the identity of white women white cis women are employed to uh, to uh, oppress other people like that's the tell right like if it's not going against patriarchy if, if we're talking about women and it's not about how like we need to change a patriarchal situation but we need to change a situation that will keep black people over there and will keep the white women safe we're just doing it to keep white cis women safe okay we're just doing it to keep white cis women safe who that will you know allow a certain type of um uh, of housing policy that will uh, refuse to impl- uh, to uh, implement some sort of uh, gender or uh, equitable protections for people because it will mean that white cis women will have to interact with other people and that might be that might harm their safety like that's a tell that is a tell uh, from hatred. And it's been used throughout history for a very long time. It's a very uh, clever sleight of hand, and it is a tell. And so people should be able to recognize when it's happening. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, exactly. And and that's why it's so important that we locate these folks closer to closer to fascist organizing right that the aggressive policing of gender norms is a fascist tactic and i mean like i i've been vocal about this online and so i've had a lot of turfs in my mentions in the last week and and these and these turfs are like well i just want a woman's only space and every single fucking time i'm like okay so how do you do that you are staying at the door and you ask everyone to show them what their vulva to make sure that they get into your event (laughs) what the fuck what the fuck do you do to know if someone's a woman or not a woman like that is that's a fucked up frame you have no fucking idea who is underneath the person you think you're talking to. And if you're organizing based on the the idea that the collective gets to determine womanhood and it's not like the individual that gets to determine womanhood, that's fucked up. <laughs> like Every time I ask that question, no one is like, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. So you don't do that. If you don't do that, then I don't know how the fuck you're, you're policing this because that then it gets really complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like what what would be uh, really interesting is to then loop back around to this whole call it culture bullshit and how it is being used to completely obscure from the facts that we've raised today and and the, the, the reality of what these kinds of so-called debates uh, are really about. I think one way to start talking about that is 
to recognize when we hear uh, call out culture and cancel culture employed. Like who is getting accused of doing these things the most? <laughs> like it's typically people who have to um, uh, defend mm. uh, their very existence more than others or at all. You know, like if if you are being harmed by something that maybe the majority of society doesn't recognize as harmful and you're calling it out and you're trying to make people understand, uh, it's really fucked up that somebody would respond to you and say uh, that that is some sort of uh, cultural bullshit based on uh, some sort of cancel canceling when it already feels like you've been canceled by the culture <laughs> entirely because people aren't like your reality isn't something uh, uh, that society is willing to uh, engage with protect uh, discuss uphold uh, whatever it is um, and so I think you know like we have to be careful when we're saying oh you know on mass like we're, we're going to be against call out culture we're going to be against cancel culture um, and we're speaking to particular people, we need to be careful. Like, who are we talking about? Are we consistently saying this uh, to people who are experiencing uh, transphobia? Are we consistently saying this to people who are experiencing anti-blackness? Are we consistently saying this to people who are experiencing uh, cultural appropriation? Like, I, you know, like the, if that's the case, then perhaps those of us who feel a certain way about what what we imagine cancel culture to be doing what this you know powerful thing cancel culture it's not powerful and we'll get into that this powerful thing cancel culture is doing is making us feel a ways i think we should internally be thinking about why it's making us feel this way what do we think that it is that it's doing that is negative so what is it nora like what do people think that it's doing that's negative what do you think I think it depends on who's saying it. I think when it's um, when it's someone in the mainstream press, especially a right wing columnist, they're just saying it because they literally do not have the arguments in favor to defend people like Megan Murphy. Right. Because they're so it's so it's it's bad. Right. There's there's there really is no way to defend that line of of argumentation around trans identity without being and admitting to being transphobic. And so then it's very easy to just say, oh, you know, this is cancel culture. And I was thinking about this, too, you know, in the context of this interview um, last week or the discussion last week on Canada Land with uh, Jesse Brown and Robin Doolittle. You know, Robin um, wrote this uh, really big investigation called Unfounded, and it was important because it showed that cops were not taking sexual assault seriously and rooted, I think, in Robin's uh, goal or her uh, ideal like ideological approach to news is that if we just show Canadians how bad the cops are they'll stop being bad. And the problem with that analysis, of course, if you're someone that knows anything about the police, is that it doesn't actually matter, that the statistics are useful and that's why, why you know, we all, like social media movements need researchers. At the end of the day, the statistics don't, ma don't really matter because you can say really horrible statistics and it doesn't change anything. And there's so number, so many numbers of issues that, that, um, that are an example of this. And so the interview between Jesse and Robin, it kind of went in a weird direction because Robin's book isn't actually about unfounded necessarily. Her book is What is Fair in the Age of Me Too. And so she talks a lot about cancel culture. 
And part of the reason that I think that she's so interested in cancel culture, and this is the other reason why I think people then talk about cancel culture as if it's a fucking thing, is that they themselves are not convinced of what is good and what is right. And they don't know how to defend their position or be open to having their position changed. Exactly. And so, yeah. and so with Unfounded, Unfounded is interesting because, it, you know, it's like this massive data investigation that shows that cops are really, really bad to people. Sandy, do you think that there's any disaggregation of the data to say that cops are disproportionately shitty to people of color, poor people or anything like that? What do you mean disaggregation of the data? <laughs> I mean, do you think that there was an attempt in this investigation to, like, say that there's a different oh. impact on people's identity? Of course not. No, there certainly wasn't. And in the so this was a, an investigation that happened mostly in 2016, and and in this uh, in the investigation, like the, the the individual who's used as like the person to show like to make the face of this of this um, of this investigation is a, a white woman, a young white woman from from London, Ontario, who uh, is sexually assaulted brutally, and the police don't believe her basically, and. I, I was reading this and I was like, OK, let's see what what we publicly know about the about the London police at the same time. And over the same period of her investigation, two police officers, one a London police officer and one an OPP, murdered a woman named Deborah Christjohn. Deborah's indigenous. She's a mother of 11. And only this week um, has one of the police been charged in her murder, Nicholas During. That doesn't come up in Unfounded because in Unfounded, the idea is that we can work with the police and that these are these are technical issues that need to be fixed. I would love to be able to have a, a really intense discussion about the limits of that investigation. But of course, the, the broad mainstream discussion is that that investigation was solid. It was critical. It was important. And it's changing everybody's lives. And meanwhile, an indigenous woman is murdered at the same time as that investigation and doesn't even register as part of the data because in her case she was dead and not just dead but murdered by police rather than simply not taken seriously when you're talking about call out culture it's because you're afraid of being called out and because you're not sure how to deal with someone challenging your facts or challenging your work and it's uncomfortable but the reality is is that we have to be open to having our work called out our work scrutinized and challenged especially if our work accidentally or absolutely intentionally upholds the status quo. You know, one of the things that, that really struck me about that Canada Land episode that I uh, like so disagreed with Robin Doolittle's um, analysis on was she, she said, you know, uh, a call out culture is really negative because have you ever like has anybody who's ever been like super angry with you yelling at you about um, a thing uh, that they're trying to tell you about ever changed your mind <laughs> and i was like yes yeah no kidding eh? <laughs> yes fucking definitely like look the thing about um the the way that people employ cancel culture is very similar to the way that people on the right wing employ um the idea of free speech it's the same concept okay like i I know that there is a discussion to be had that is separate that people might might be thinking to themselves but but what about the ways that you know we discard anybody who doesn't understand uh, what we're talking about I mean I would encourage you to listen to last week's episode we do talk about how it is important to have like a a, a certain frame um, uh, an orientation towards uh, educating and uh, disseminating 
ideas that we have on the left that aren't yet a popular in a mass way, sure. But the way that people talk about um, cancel culture and call out culture in a way to shut down debate is very similar to the way that the right wing uses um, the idea of free speech to, to shut down debate. Okay, if somebody is talking to you and is employing multiple uh, faculties that they have uh, to communicate, including uh, being really upset, perhaps even yelling, um, maybe uh, gesticulating to show you that that this is something that is really important to them. That should just be a signal that that's something that's really important to them. And you Mm -hmm. should still listen to the important things that they have to say. They are using more of their ability to communicate to tell you how passionate they are about this issue. They're not canceling you. They're talking to you about an issue that is really important. They're calling you out, absolutely, probably because you you need to hear this. Mm -hmm. Like, I, some of the most important moments of my political growth uh, and like uh, coming to knowledge about a a number of uh, things that to this day uh, really uh, are the foundation of my principles have come from people calling me out. I'm really grateful for those moments. And I just don't know why we've gotten to this place where we, anybody who disagrees or is telling you something in a really uh, impassioned way means that 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 they are shutting you down. They're not shutting you down. You responding by shutting down because you're nervous or you don't have um, the arguments that um, justify your position, perhaps because it's not a justifiable position. Um, you not re- being able to respond isn't you being shut down. That's you losing an argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be- because your position sucks. Like, that's what it is. Or maybe you don't understand your position, okay? Like, that's what it is. Uh, and so employing the idea of, like, oh, this is just, like, this terrible culture of cancel. Like, the people who are often being called out uh, for, you know, employing this uh, uh, mystical cancel culture don't have the power in our society to truly cancel anybody. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. They don't. Okay. Like even even if we, we think of like the most powerful amongst the people who would be able to cancel someone. Like let's let's think about um the the most uh normative, powerful white women of the Me Too movement. <laughs> like Alyssa Milano. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Like I Whatever. don't know. Trying to cancel Louis C. K. Right. Like it just, you know, he's like having a comeback to her or something I hear, you know, like it's like the people don't who are often being called out for this cancel, like like a fucking Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> like that was one of the people that people were talking about, you know, like we're canceling this man who's done all of this wonderful legal work. Like it's not possible. Like it, the, the people who are being called out uh for for being the callers outers or whatever the people who are being <laughs> told that they are um and canceling people in this unjust way like they're not actually canceling anyone because they don't have the power to do so that's another tell no and who does and who does the cops <laughs> the cops precisely <laughs> the, 
They're the ones that protected the event uh, for Megan to go to go on. They kettled protesters inside the library that night. I mean, the other thing that this whole debate completely lacks is any fucking idea of how humans have existed in society pre the Internet. And I am fascinated by how fucking short people's memories are. Like there have been people angry with each other since humans existed. And there have been groups of people who are mad about X and who are in favor of X or who are mad about their perspective and in favor of their perspective. And they have argued with each other forever. That is a very human thing for us to do. And so in the case of this Murphy event, either we live in a society where we determine, we collectively determine what is right and what is wrong through friction and debate and discussion, or we don't. And the Toronto Public Library had determined what is acceptable through their code of conduct, and then they broke their code of conduct. (laughs) So it's obvious that people would respond in protest to that. That is an obvious and a normal reaction to it. And any journalist and any pundit and any talking head that says that that is weird wants you to forget how the world has always operated. (laughs) 